Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where MMOs, they're, they're not really back, but we're into one again. So we're talking about it this week. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beige. Koopo! There you go. That's your hint. We're talking about Final Fantasy XIV because we've been playing it a lot, and it's still the summer slump, and this is what we're into at the moment. And we haven't gotten to dig deep onto like a specific MMO before and talk about it because in the whole time we've been recording the podcast, we haven't both been playing the same one at the same time before. So we figured we're overdue and we're both super excited about this. So this is what we're doing this week. Before we get into like it as a main topic, I wanted to just kind of get into like, why did we start playing this game? Because I think it's very different for both of us. Yeah. I think it really is because this is one that I'd kind of avoided for a long time. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's different for us on this one. Yeah, well, I started playing because it was part of my Final Fantasy, the whole series, mainline series playthrough that I did. I did start to finish in order and I, I got to 14 and like I had hated 11. 11 is the only one I didn't beat. But I mean, you can't really beat an MMO anyway. So I figured that f- like 11 and 14, they were going to be like extra. If I got to them, I got to them. If not, I don't really think of them as part of the mainline series because an MMO, like a, an online version of a game like this is just such a different beast than the single player JRPG core of the series. So I did it just to try it, and I was kind of amazed with what I found. And I've, I've grown to, I really, really like this game. Um, sometimes I love it, but overall, I don't know if I can say <laughs> that I, I absolutely love it. I, I'm not, like, that gung-ho about it, because it's still an MMO at its core, but it's a really good game. So that's why I picked it up in the first place. But you had different reasons. I was going to ask if you had played 11 during your playthrough because I couldn't remember uh, with you hitting 14 for that. So uh, you did hit with hit 11. I yeah, I had tried 11 and I just hated it. And so, like, as part of the playthrough, I wanted to touch on it, but I just couldn't do it. Like, it hasn't aged well. Um, I think if it was your first MMO back in the day, right when it came out, it was probably a good game at the time. Just like. I have really good memories of EverQuest, but I would never try to go back and play it. You know, it's don't do it. I did. I went back and tried to play EverQuest Classic on some of those new servers they had. Don't do it to yourself. Yeah, but you started just playing because of friends, right? I did. I was all the people I was working with and a couple of my students. We were just talking about games and Austin, the the guy I wrote my the guy I wrote my steampunk novel with, he he w- came into the office one day. He was my assistant director, and he was talking about getting into Final Fantasy fourteen because he had been hearing all about A Realm Reborn and reading up on it. And he's this huge Final Fantasy guy. And I remember playing eleven. I played eleven when it was new, and it was not my first MMO by any any stretch of the imagination and i was like you i bounced off of it super hard and i loved everquest but i had moved into star wars galaxies and at that point and it was so just a better game for what i wanted and so i was comparing 14 in the realm reborn to what 11 was and i was just resistant and 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 like no no way not not a chance and then he convinced me of playing it he convinced all of us playing it so we had a group of real life friends who we could who were in the office and my students every day and we would be able to go home at night and run dungeons and quests together and do duties i said duty not duty and i we could do all of this stuff together at night and go into the office and talk about it and so we saved up and bought a house and it was just this great piece of community and friends that I've never experienced in a game, even with having played 
other MMOs with real life friends, it never quite felt like Final Fantasy 14 because it was just like, oh, we're hanging out. We had Hot Tub Tuesdays, or was it Hot Tub Thursdays? I think it was Hot Tub Tuesdays in our house where we put a hot tub in the bottom of the house and then we just hung out in the hot tub on Tuesday nights and talked to each other on Google Hangouts. It was weird, but Final Fantasy XIV was a social game for me, so that's why I really love it. And I think I'm in it for the story mainly. I mean, and this is one of the things I want I want to talk about. Like, um, let's just get into like what we think makes this game amazing because this has kind of been what our texts have been about for the last two or three weeks, just random yeah. scatter shots. So if the podcast is a little disconnected, that's why. Um, there's just a bunch of random thoughts in here, and it, it a lot of it is like why. FF14 is amazing. And for me, one of the things is that like it feels like a Final Fantasy game first it and an does. MMO second. And because I'm such a huge fan of the series and I love what it's doing, like in a way, this is the most Final Fantasy game that we've gotten in the like classic Final Fantasy style since Final Fantasy 9. You know, like that old style that's in an actual fantasy setting instead of kind of like a sci-fi, future tech, magitech setting, Um, even though there's a tiny bit of that in here. But you know how there are ones that are in different veins, especially like 7, and then you get into 8, and like 10, and everything after it. They they have a different feel to them. And They do. They have that almost sci-fi feel. I can't even say almost, where they are sci-fi instead of fantasy. And you have 12, which is interesting that we both feel that it goes back to 9, because you have 12, and I think it's because it's an Ivalice that it just doesn't feel like a typical Final Fantasy, with in terms of the setting and just that that almost, um, I want to say arcade fantasy kind of uh, feeling to it, where this is Golden Axe, it, where Ivalice feels a lot more high fantasy. Yeah, and I mean, like, this, this game feels like a love letter to ff9 and earlier in mm-hmm. a really good way like it's pulling from the early games and you know the warrior of light chosen one like crystal like all of that kind of mythos is in this game but they've incorporated little parts from all over final fantasy there's easter eggs everywhere but at its core like it is a final fantasy story and that is why i keep going back to it and if that that happens immediately. You log in and there is an unskippable cutscene that you have to watch to set up the world and story. That it is like a Final Fantasy game in that respect. That you can't just quit and play it just as an MMO. That there are unskippable cutscenes in this game that make you partake in the story. Well, and there, are, there's something that I've never seen in another MMO and it's really long cutscenes. And yeah. those are typically skippable if you want to. But the thing is, like, the story is such a core part of this game that there are parts where you're you like you know go to the next person or the next area and the game warns you it says hey you're about to see a really long cutscene. make sure you set enough time aside yep. otherwise come back to this later like sometimes yep. they're like a half an hour long because it's just so much story and it's produced at such like a high level of polish that when you get to those there's real things happening in the story that you want to see the results of and i wasn't that way i know we're going to talk about this a little bit later but that I didn't care about the patch content in A Realm Reborn in the main release that once it got beyond the initial release of the story, I just lost complete and total interest in it. I didn't care and just skipped a lot of them. So when I got into Heavensward, things had happened that I'd skipped over that I'd 
I couldn't even figure out from context clues that I had to go look up on one of the wikis because that like they were putting stuff together and they were talking about going and doing this in this town. And I'm like, I don't think I've been back there since like level 37. What's going on? And it turns out there was this huge cutscene. I'm like, oh, I missed that completely. I don't even know where these characters are now. Well, and it does a really good job of tying you back into old places and old people. Like there's somebody that you encounter in Stormblood, and this isn't a spoiler. We're not going to do spoilery stuff for either expansion in this episode. Um, but there's a character you talk to in Stormblood, and he's like, hey, do you remember me from this town? And if you go look it up, it's like a level 15 quest that mm-hmm. you probably haven't touched in multiple years. But they do that kind of thing, and they do that kind of thing a lot. They bring back characters, they bring back locations, they bring back like subplots that were always there and you kind of forgot about, but they set it up such a long time ago and in such an organic way that like because time has passed in the story it makes sense that it comes up again organically in really interesting ways and i think i mentioned this in one of our geekeries lately where a lot of mmos it always feels like there's an a plot and that is it especially world of warcraft i always feel like that um final fantasy it feels like there's an a plot and a b plot and a c plot and a d plot and there's probably a couple others that you aren't really paying attention to and then there's also like your class quests on the side and then there's side content beyond that but all of that is in like the main thrust of the game in a really really cool way and i love it oh that's what i was gonna say when you were talking about because there are the class quests there are the job quests that you do and they build on each other even until level 70 through Stormblood. that from the very beginning there are recurring characters and recurring themes that are coming through the entire thing then they have the different content set up in like like plot a b c and d like you were talking about where there are certain overarching terms that they use like some of them you know there's the main scenario and you know that every patch there's going to be part of the main scenario and there's going to be some dungeons or a raid or something attached to that and then there's these quest lines like chronicles of a new era that are going to be the side quests and dungeons and and like casual style raids that have a story that go with them and it's just really interesting to me how they manage to tie these together that everything has a story behind it and like i said i didn't care about those in the first one but now i'm bought in on all of these by the time i got through heaven's word and a Stormblood, that i really really like what they've done now that they're not just setting everything up as as this kind of origin story Yeah, and it's probably worth reiterating the structure a little bit here if you've never played this game, Um, just so when we're talking about it, you kind of understand where we're coming from. So 2.0 is A Realm Reborn, and I'll talk about 1.0 here later in the episode, but 2.0 is the core of this game. It's A Realm Reborn, Um, and then there's patch content that's like 2.1, 2.2, you know, in that vein, all the way up to 2.55, and that is the story of the fallout after the main game of A Realm Reborn and the lead into Heaven's Word. It's like this smooth transition of story between the two of them. If you've played World of Warcraft, it's the kind of post-patch or pre-patch content for an expansion where they do the events that lead up where you might get a zone or a class or there's just some sort of special random public spawning quest of some kind. That's what it does is lead up and directly transition into that for if you're not used to this kind of game. 
except it's main story quests and yes. it's ongoing all the way after they launch an expansion like it never really stops adding main story quest whereas mm-hmm. in other mmos they might patch in some end game stuff to tide you over and like a tiny bit of story to justify another raid and while final fantasy 14 has a little bit of that it also will give you another main quest and the main quest leads the story like into the aftermath of whatever the main thing was and then into the next big thing so and it is required to complete you yes, cannot it, it is required you cannot progress in the game unless you complete this which is both frustrating and and very gratifying but we'll talk about that later yeah so 3.0 is then heaven's word and then all the three point whatever patches are between heaven's word and stormblood and then stormblood is 4.0 and right now as of recording today we are at four point i think it's zero one something we're just beyond the launch yeah. of stormblood they're just patching in a little bit end game content that didn't quite make it with the ship of the game um and that's about where the game is at so that's the structure while we're talking about it um but like you said they're unskippable and like the main story quest you have to go through them and in some ways it can be frustrating but in other ways it it makes the game what it is don't you think yeah oh it absolutely does i mean it's it's one of those things where if I were into the story like my friends were with A Realm Reborn as it ended, I would have played through he- through Heavensward. That I know that without a, without a doubt. But I had kind of this double whammy of not caring at all about any of those pa- that patch content, and I was playing a white mage at the time, and it got to the point where it was just not fun to play through some of these uh, combat, the combat missions that you would have, and to just grind and grind and grind alone as a healer out in the world killing things. And sometimes there were fights that I, I couldn't win. And I was really frustrated at it, and so I didn't want to level up a DPS class because at that point I was like, I'm a healer, that's what I do. And I just quit. I just stopped playing, and now I've leveled up a DPS class and moved past that, where going through all of the content now, coming back with a class that can handle it and is fun to do that kind of content with, I see exactly why they've made it this required part of the game. And like you, like you said, you didn't care really about a realm reborn like as much. But then once you got to Heaven's Word, you were hooked, right? I was hooked. It was so good. It was, it really was an iteration on the quality of the game because when they were doing the localization and tr- and getting Realm Reborn out, they were tying everything together. They had to to actually make the story fit something with when for them to move past the original launch uh, when they relaunched the game and just all of that. It just never clicked with me on top of having this ultra ultra ridiculously high fantasy language and i hate it it's like if someone who was the worst writer in the world tried to be george rr martin it it was like that and i just could not stand it and they toned that back in heavensward and it let me get into it where yeah there were some characters using these and thous and it just kind of made me giggle because it wasn't everybody and see, I still think you're overstating it. I think it's been blown out of proportion in your mind because I didn't notice that. I mean, there are a couple like high fantasy uh, ways of speaking in A Realm Reborn, but I don't think it's nearly as prevalent as you think it is. There are a couple main characters that are like that, and maybe that's why it sticks out in your mind. But it's it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. And maybe it is. I mean, I am fully... 
I'm fully aware of my prejudice on that, where it might have just kind of got under my skin while I was playing it, and I just latched onto it and and have blown it out of proportion. And when I got into Heavens, was like, oh, it's not that bad. Well, and one thing that you mentioned to me was that, like, A Realm Reborn, so 2.0 all the way until 3.0, is kind of like, well... I would say 2.0 until the end of that main story before you get into the the transitional content between the two right. is kind of an origin story, and it's your origin story. It's yeah. the origin of you know the warrior of light, which is what you end up becoming. And like I sometimes have issues with those, but for some reason it just didn't bug me at all. And and maybe for me it's because. I didn't pick up this game until I hit that point in my Final Fantasy playthrough, and the timing mm-hmm. ended up working out that I picked up the game. I liked it enough that I was like, yes, I will beat the main story content. And the patch before Heaven's Word landed the same week that I hit Endgame of oh. level 50. So I had about two weeks, I want to say, of Endgame, and then I was into Heaven's Word. So it was just the perfect amount of time to do like everything once at max level, and then I was into 3.0 right away. There was no break in the story for me. It was just like perfectly paced all the way through, and... I had uh, a group of people at Endgame willing to do Endgame because they were hyped that Heaven's Word was about to come out. So I literally had like the best timing I possibly could have had from 2.0 all the way through 3.0. And for me, we started playing, I think, between 2.1 and 2.2. So we were able to get into the patch content and then we played all the way until Heaven's Word, really, where we were, I think I quit playing... It was after the final patch had been released. I just never beat it. Like I said, when I went back to Heavensward, I had an hour of gameplay to get into Heavensward. That uh, whenever I went back, I was like, oh, okay, that was that took me an hour. So we played every patch as it came through. And part of my frustration was the requirement of the main story quest. Because what I really wanted to do was run these new dungeons with my friends. And I couldn't until I spent two or three hours playing through this main story quest I didn't care about running back and forth and talking to people. I'm just like, I don't care about all of these houses. I just want to go to Holebreaker Isle or whatever it was. And locking the new dungeons makes sense behind that. I mean, locking locking the new content behind the main story quest makes sense but as a player who wasn't playing it for the story at that point i was super frustrated by it and yeah my like the story is the reward for me like i like that part so i i love whenever they patch that in and i guess one of the other things is like you don't full feel like the full-fledged warrior of light until you hit basically right around the end of a realm reborn um, yeah it's like a slow startup and it's definitely kind of an origin story feel especially until you get probably into your like the level th- somewhere mid 30s maybe low 40s um you really start to feel it and then but one of the cool things i should say is that after you get to about level 50 and then that means all of the expansion content all the patches everything after that everybody always acknowledges that you are the warrior of light you never feel like you've gotten reset in power level just because an expansion has come out right and it always feels like that in other mmos like it does it's, it's amazing how much they avoid that and how much it just works. Everybody acknowledges that you are basically one of the most powerful people in this entire world. And that's just the way it is. You have powers nobody else has. You have communication with a crystal nobody else has. You have an echo, which some people have some versions of. And it's kind of like a special power you learn about throughout the game. But you are unique. 
and the game acknowledges that and it never takes that away from you. It does. And that's a big issue with I know that World of Warcraft has is that there's always something bigger that you have to do, but it never in the story really makes you feel special. And even as they're doing this, they'll say, oh, you know, we need you, adventurer. We need you, hero. That I think that's why I like Legion so much is that they finally acknowledged your character's place within that narrative, that you're either the high priest or you're the archdruid or there's or the archmage or something like that, where you finally feel that within the story. Then that's kind of what made me keep playing it. And it may be what made me like Heavensward so much, too, when I got in that, where People are like, oh, you're the hero of light and you're planting seeds? Um, Yeah, it's like every time you end up doing a minor quest after you get past the initial, you know, level 50 cap, everyone's like, they, they acknowledge that it's kind of weird if you have to do yeah. these like small tasks to earn people's respect. And the general attitude is like, yeah, sometimes we have to do that. But also like you're the only one who can do these big things. Sometimes you have to do the little things too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has an MMO feeling, but I still think it, it can be played as like a typical Final Fantasy game, which is really cool. If, and you were saying if that you really maybe, wanted to. Absolutely. Yeah. You were saying maybe like the fact that it's on console, too, can help with this. It, I wonder if it does, because I'll, I've not played a lot of console online games. Like I know I play DCUO and uh, stuff like that, but I've never really dug in on like Final Fantasy 11 to know what the the community tends to be. Um, but I don't know, maybe it has to do with it being on console that it feels they were like, you know, we want this to be a Final Fantasy game first, that that it's a mainline numbered Final Fantasy. So we need to to let the people who are buying that on the PlayStation 3, let it be a game that they would want to buy on the PlayStation 3 instead of it being a PC port. Yeah. And I mean, the fact that it's PC and console, it's cross platform and it's really cool. And the uh and, the main and by like, cross platform we mean literally cross platform you are playing with people on the ps4 and ps3 and pc in the same world unlike overwatch which you don't get to play with people it even though it's on both platforms they are they they are cordoned off from one another yeah so you have typical hot bars when you're on pc if you've ever played an mmo before you know the gist of it um and then they have something i think it's called the crossbar on yep. a console and I played that version of the game just because I was interested. That's not what I play mainly on. I mainly do PC, but it is totally functional. Like you could adjust to that. I it's not my preferred method of play. I wouldn't go that route, but I know a lot of people that do and they prefer it. And one of the things I know a lot that, of people that do, and I tried, and it's the worst. And I've played MMOs. Like I said, I, I played a lot of DCUO actually, and it uses a similar trigger system to give new hot bars. And I just couldn't. I just couldn't get into playing Final Fantasy XIV like that. I've watched all of my friends play it and seen them. It just seems like it's such a complicated game for such a simplified input method. Uh, and I played it enough to know that it's totally possible. And I've oh, also, yeah. I mean, something that stuck in my mind was one of the interviews that the main producer director gave. And he said that he always wants every encounter to be playable completely with a controller on PlayStation so that if that is your preferred method, you're never going to be left out. And I thought that was right. really cool, even though like I'm with you, I don't like that controlling method as much. Um, I will take PC any day and that's what I play on, but it's just cool that it's an option. And I mean, there's lots of other just cool things in this game that make it accessible. So 
one of the things we should talk about is the grouping tool, which is in this game oh, it's yeah. called the duty finder, which in other games <laughs> it's called the group finder or raid finder or whatever I it is. I call that coffee. <laughs> huh? Uh, huh? Yeah. No. Um, but <laughs> it's, it was a poop joke. I know. I got it. Thanks. I know. I, I just wanted to say that it's so the duty finder is really good, though. I mean, it's the core functionality of it should just be blatantly stolen and put into other games. Like there are incentives there for end game players to do roulettes every day, which means that you don't know which encounter you're going to go into, but it will put you into one where more people are needed. So there's a leveling roulette and it means that it's going to put you into any of the leveling dungeons any of them at all you have no choice in it but if you do it and you play it all the way through the end you get this huge chunk of experience and then depending on what other incentives they have in place sometimes you get other stuff too like end game currency you know that you use to buy gear um or just giant chunks of gold so everybody i know who plays the game at end game does like a leveling roulette and at least one other roulette every day and that means that when you're like leveling up you always have people that are coming in and playing even though you have to wait even though it's like you have to go through these for the story you are never locked out of it there are always people willing to run it with you and i love that there are so many different kinds of roulettes so that even though it is random it is like doing a random heroic on world of warcraft or or something along those lines i'm not really familiar with other mmos and their group finders but when you're when you do it you get to pick like you said the leveling roulette where if i'm just not feeling doing a long dungeon i can still queue up for a trial and i'll get one of the random trials that is a no trash mob one boss fight in and out kind of encounter and even if i don't want a random one you can still queue for old stuff and it will scale you down in the duty finder where if you just want to go back like i went and farmed some old weapons recently so that i could just get some skins that i wanted and it was in groups at that level just getting them uh and having fun and playing because people are still playing this content for you know, both to level and to use the roulette system. It works so well to keep content fresh. Yeah. And there, I mean, there are dungeons and there are also trials, like you were saying, and trials are my favorite part of the game, honestly, outside of the story. The story is the most important thing to me, but trials are encounters that are turned up in difficulty. There are more mechanics, they're more complicated, but like Mm -hmm. you said, there's no trash mobs, there's no dungeon, there's no lead up to it. There's none of that junk you have to wade through in other games to get to like raid level fights. It is purely just that fight. And you throw yourself at it and if you get knocked out um, and it's an older fight, then you get part of part of the the echo power I mentioned earlier is that you get like a 10% increase in like max HP and damage and like a bunch of things. And if you keep wiping, that will go up over time. So you never get stuck on old content. And the other side of that is that they don't let the echo happen on new content. So everything right, right now at level 70, because Stormblood, it just came out, the echo isn't there. Like you have to beat it legitimately. You can't just die and get leveled up. So they have all of these tools that they're constantly like pulling different levers to make people go back to old content, make old content accessible, make it fun to run and incentivize it to run. And like, they're just so good at using incentives to get people to do it. And 
I love that. That is something that that really, really makes me like this game because today, right, I, I I finished up some work. I was telling you about finishing up my article that I was writing. I went and uh, I went and took a nap because my my brain was hurting. And then when I came back, one of my buddies wanted to do some dungeons, so I logged back in and and I did a dungeon with him. And when we queued up for the roulette, I got a dungeon that I had played one time before I quit the game. I remembered nothing about it. It was a level 50 hard mode that they had put in, and I remembered nothing. And it was like running new content again for old stuff that I never would have done if it were any other kind of MMO where I would have been doing the same three dungeons over and over. Yeah, it's it's so cool. And like, I have to say too, especially with Trials and with some of these like really hard fights, the music in this game is amazing. Oh man. It is. I mean, it is true Final Fantasy music. It is like the core Final Fantasy composer that all of the tracks you probably have mm-hmm. stuck in your head forever um, are because of this guy. He is the main composer for this game and all of the expansions, and it shows. Like, I love this music in a way that, like, I, I honestly, I barely remember any of the music from Final Fantasy 12, or there's a couple tracks from 13, and then, like, 15... I, I don't know. I, I guess. Maybe not. But 14 <laughs> sticks in my mind. Like, honestly, I've been thinking about buying the soundtracks for this game, which I never do because they're that good. It's, it's really, really good that I don't keep music on in MMOs because usually I have something going on, like voice chat in the background when I'm actually playing with people. And I keep the music on. It's good music that it is absolutely final fantasy music and the trials have the best music that they go through different phases of the fight and what is fantastic is that he has he has scored them so that as you hit different phases of the fight the music will either kick up or down that it really is a cinematic experience because like oh you know that stuff is about to go down because the metal just started playing instead of this nice soft uh, ambiance well and one of the things like you mentioned cinematic like a lot of the times the first time you go into a trial or a dungeon there's a cinematic up front and then sometimes there's one right before the last boss if it's a dungeon or if it's a trial there's no last boss it's just the fight um and then a lot of the times there's one after and typically people after you've seen it one time like you can set it up so that it skips it every time in the future which is and anyone who's played it has for a while usually has it set up that way yes but One of the things is that people are really nice in this game. And I think a huge part of this is because they have so many incentives set up that you have to play with low-level players a lot of the time when you're Mm -hmm. doing roulettes. So you get used to helping new people through fights and being understanding when, like, stuff is tough. You know, you talk someone through it instead of just, like, rage quitting, like happens in so many other MMOs. Um, Yes. That doesn't really exist in this game. I've never had a bad attitude in a group that's... Like, I mean, sometimes people aren't 100% positive, but compared to every other MMO, (laughs) like, there's no comparison, right? No, there there isn't. That in any other game, I tend not to tell people that I'm new in a dungeon. And this game, you have no choice but to, because the game tells everybody. It gives you a bonus for running with people who are new to the dungeon. That it's like, oh, somebody is new and they've never completed this content. You're going to get a bonus of 100 of the endgame tomes or one of the currencies because this person is new when you complete it. And everybody gets that bonus. So it incentivizes 
incentivizes you to play with the new people and get them through it. And also, like, say the other day, I in other games you get yelled at, you get booted if you don't know something. They're like, go watch a video on YouTube, noob. And I was in an extreme fight. I finally found a party finder dungeon, which is, you know, just putting together your own group and party finder as opposed to the duty finder. But... I found a group for one of the new extreme modes, and it didn't require, they didn't lock you out if you had never completed it. And so I get in there, it gives the whole, um, it gives the whole, somebody has not completed this dungeon, and there were about three or four people who were flipping out. They're like, oh my goodness, this is an extreme fight. Who came in here without, without doing this? And I was like, me. I was like, I've watched videos on it. I know what to expect. I'm pretty sure I can do this. And they're like, Oh, okay. That's fine then. And then we beat it three times in a row and farmed it, and I got three pieces of high-level loot off of it. But in WoW, I would have never told them that was me. Not even a... There's not a chance. I would have been booted like that. But in Final Fantasy, like, hey, it's me, guys. I watched a video. We're good. And they're like, cool, dude. You're awesome. You did something. You're another person. And... Like, that's the thing. They treat you like people most of the time, not yeah. like a character in a game. And a lot of the time, people will talk you through a fight if you just say, what are the mechanics here that I need to know? Um, yep. Which is, is really nice. But the point I was trying to get to is that because there are these cutscenes in the dungeons, um, people understand that, like, that's a core part of the game, and they will let you watch it. Like, in other MMOs, if there's, like, a quest giver or there's something questy or, like, main story in the dungeon trying to do that your group will run off without you mm-hmm. and in final fantasy 14 that doesn't happen people wait people see the little cutscene icon above your head and they wait like yeah. it, most it, of the time most of the time but it's just generally understood and it almost always happens i i rarely ever see people get left behind or try to be rushed um generally it's just like hey thanks for the thanks for the run enjoy your cutscene, and then people like take off if it's at the end of a dungeon um so that's really nice. One of the best ways I've seen people to basically indicate we're not going to let you watch cutscenes is that they've put in a countdown timer that you can access and that as you're running toward the boss, the tank puts up a 10 second countdown timer or 15 or something like that where they're like, it, it's an unspoken, I'm about to pull this. You can watch as much of it as you can without saying stop watching that. Now, I have been locked out because I'm watching and I have been booted from a group for watching before and i'm like eh whatever i don't care i'll queue up again because it's just i'm gonna do that and i'm playing this game yeah i guess i've never run into that and maybe i'm just on a nice server maybe it's possible um you never know but in general people are very understanding which is cool yeah um and then also like along these boss fight lines the boss fights in the game are more complicated than any other mmo that i've played and they're also more fun because of it. Uh-huh. And the thing is, this game trains you through the main story quest because you have to run those dungeons. You also have to run solo duties without anybody else. And um, because of that and because of the leveling, they force you to learn these mechanics. So there are small groups. Um, it's a light party, and that's with four people. There are big groups, which is called a full party. That's eight people. Um, and then there are raid level, which is 24 people. So it's like multiple eight-person parties, And I basically. think that's called an alliance when you Maybe. get up yeah, to that, that, right. that point where you have to slash alliance to talk to everybody. Yep, that sounds right. Um, So most of it is done in light parties, and then usually trials are done in a full party, so eight people. Um, And then there are only a few like raids in the game 
that are 24 people and those are more the exception than the rule and it also feels like right. they're moving more away from that because the the eight person content is really good and it feels really fun whereas you start to get lost in the shuffle in the 24 person but yeah. because you have to learn these mechanics by playing the main story which everybody has to do because you're story locked um it means that the boss fights are challenging but in the best kind of way like by the time you get to trials and extreme trials and raids they take actual skill and i know this is a subjective feeling that i have but in other mmos i feel like the challenge is in organizing the people so the challenge is mostly on the raid leader or the guild or whatever entity it is that's organizing the raid and pulling the people together it's not right. actually in the mechanics most of the time unless you're doing the very top tier high-end content um in final fantasy it's it's always like the challenge is not in the coordination the challenge is in every individual player understanding and executing yes. and it's like I've never felt like I can just sleepwalk my way through a trial or a raid ever in this game. The only one that I've ever been able to sleepwalk through was called the Crystal Tower. It was the Labyrinth of the Ancients version of it, where there were 24 people. It was one of the 24-person ones, and even as a healer, I had to pay zero attention. None. I could just kind of mosey around, and there were enough healers as it was that I, if you died, somebody would res you. It was, and everybody has a battle res. I mean, the raises you can just do it in the middle of combat. They just take ten seconds each, unless you have a swift cast that that word makes it instant. And that was it was easy and kind of face rolly content. But it you know now. Yeah, I can't DPS healing anything I'm doing. It's like yeah, I cannot stand in this i mean i've thought about though i do stand in it and i'm that guy i've thought about changing i thought about changing my name from lesser worms bane to lesser stands in the fire and just see what happens because i'm the guy who stands in the fire all the time but that crystal dungeon is actually that one was optional like it's not part yes. of the main yeah and no, it was it, it was completely to the side all of yeah. that uh was completely optional and it was 24 person, which they've moved away from because I think they understand that eight people is a better feel to it. And mm -hmm. you were, even even with that said, you were telling me that like moving from WoW directly into Final Fantasy 14, there's a huge difference, right? And it's hard to even put my finger on why, because there are still mechanics that you have to move out of. There are still things going on where the raid has to to perform different tasks, but they feel so much more polished and together in Final Fantasy fantasy it feels like they're so much more integrated where like one of the new dungeons and just doing the raid finder don't get me wrong i haven't been doing any really any of the the world of warcraft dungeons outside of that uh normal modes uh I, well i did one and it just they just feel like they're all at its base kind of that tank and spank stand there don't stand in the fire fight and everything is very static it's you know there's in one of the new fights, there were pillars that, that came down out of the ceiling and you had to not stand in the way of a fireball that this guy threw at you. And you had to stand behind these pillars so that it absorbed the, the fireball instead of you. And that's fine. That, that was a good dungeon. I had fun playing that in WoW. It was the first boss in Tomb of Sargeras, or Sargeras. And after I'd done it, I'd done it. But in Final Fantasy, even after I've done these fights, 
I still can't sleepwalk through them. Like you said, I still have to be on my toes or I'm standing in something and wiping the group. Yeah, I mean, there's some basic stuff like don't stand in the giant marker, which honestly, all the right. telegraphs are really good and obvious in this game. They too, are. Which, oh, my goodness. They like, are. That can't be overstated. That's like a huge props to the dev. Like it's never once you understand what the symbols mean, it's mm-hmm. very obvious and you have to learn the symbols by playing through the main story quest. But I mean, besides that, don't stand in the fire, which is typical of like every MMO. There are other things where it's like this means that there's going to be an attack and you need to be clustered together. Otherwise, this person will die Mm -hmm. because it will distribute it over everybody who's in that area. There's other ones that mean, hey, if you are together for this thing that's about to happen, you're going to overlap damage. So you need to spread apart. Yep. And there are things that are like chains that connect two people and they either have to run together to undo it or they have to run apart until it breaks. There are like so many different mechanics that... I can't hold all the fight mechanics in my head. And at this point, I jump into like the trial roulette and I basically just read a fight on the fly. And the game has taught <laughs> yep. me enough that I can do that. Even endgame yes. rating. Like I was doing um, Omega endgame rating the last week or two here. And when I went into each of those the first time, I went in completely blind and it was totally fine. Because it was so awesome going in blind yeah, on those two that, that this is the first time in, in MMOs that I felt that I could go in and not be punished for letting it be a surprise and figure out this fight on my own. Or, you know, figuring it out on my own means following the people who had done it already, but it was all new to me. I didn't have to go watch strategy video after strategy video, except for the extreme fights, which was a harder version of something I'd already done and seen. Which are, again, optional. So it's like outside of that optional, very top tier endgame stuff, like it teaches you enough to just get through the fights and just have fun learning the fights, which I think a lot of other MMOs miss out on. Um, So that's really cool. I guess a couple other things like... There's no looting corpses in this game. No. Oh, my God. Thank goodness. That is one of my favorite things coming immediately, like logging out of WoW one day and logging into Final Fantasy that same day. I'd forgotten that you don't have to loot your corpses. And that was such a quality of life difference that when I saw the loot just pop up in the middle of my screen, like you've gotten this. And I'm like, great. I'm never leaving this game for anything else ever again. That it was just not having to stop, turn around and grab a corpse corpse was it it, it shouldn't be revolutionary to just hand you what was on the on the body yeah and i mean there's a bunch of other just like quality of life stuff so there's fast travel teleportation every time you like um you go and you find these giant pieces of crystal that are called aetherite or atherite and once you tune yourself to that you can always fast travel to it like it, it costs a tiny bit of gold but it's so insignificant that you would never notice it and you can just instantly go anywhere that you've been before in the world. And that makes a huge difference in terms of getting around the world. Um, And and it doesn't really make the world feel any smaller either. it doesn't. Because they're spread out so much that you get into, it's basically you traveling to a zone, and then you still either have to run or fly wherever you're going. And then you also said that, like, for questing, you can sell quest rewards, which I guess isn't a thing in other MMOs so much. Not generally, no, because they're they're usually bound to your character. And at least this time in uh, Stormblood, I made about three million gold overall selling or three million gil selling my off spec non upgrade quest rewards on the market board, which let me 
buy lots of glamours, uh, which are transmog, uh, transmogrification things, appearance items for my character that I now I look all pretty and dyes for my clothes and furniture for my uh, my room in our house. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if it were just another, okay, here's another belt that you're not going to be able to wear that's not an upgrade for you. It's like, oh no, I'm going to grab these really expensive tanking gear, these tanking boots, and throw them on the market board for 150k gill. And it really, again, quality of life stuff, just having non-soul bound quest rewards. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of little stuff like that. And I know I already mentioned this, but like I can't overemphasize because it's such an important part of the game to me is that it is the most Final Fantasy feeling game since Final Fantasy nine, in my opinion, Um, more so than like most of the entries in the series after nine. And it pays tribute to all the old Final Fantasy games. Um, There are some dungeons that are obviously ripped right out of old Final Fantasy games. Like there's a library from FF five. There's a ghost shipwrecks from FF five. And there's a bunch of other ones too, that I don't want to necessarily spoil, but those two are pretty safe to talk about. Um, There's things like Sid and Biggs and Wedge. And um, you were saying there's an event from ff6 that you noticed right uh there's an event that's on the if you go to the the main page right now it's called or you may see it when you log in on the launcher called fly the falcon and i can't remember what all you have to even do to do the fly the falcon thing and get the new mount I'm, i need to read about it again but i was playing final fantasy 6 on my iphone last night and i realized that the falcon is an air the airship you get in the world of ruin in final fantasy 6 and it looks like it in 14 here where you're flying around in basically a one-person version of the big airship that you get in six so and it's called the falcon in six so i mean it's it is directly taken out of that game yeah and there's like there's lots of locations and enemies and npcs and you said even like attack animations that are just ripped out of the old games and like remastered and put into this in a way that makes sense in the final fantasy 14 world but it's perfect because this is what final fantasy does it takes core themes and it it reinvents them over time in different ways and looking at them from different angles and 14 just consistently delivers that and like stormblood it has a lot of nods to ff5 even though the main story isn't about that at all but it has things like omega in it and um, a bunch of the collector's edition rewards i think you were saying right yeah i mean the collector's edition rewards are the slider amount which uh, when you play five I, i haven't been through it in a long time but i know that the uh just the beginning of it with Ferris, the way that her ship moves is by having Slydra pull it when there are not sails. Um, the chicken knife is the most powerful is the most powerful weapon in the game, and that is the red mage glamour that you get uh, from the collector's edition is the Final Fantasy V chicken knife. Um, stuff like that. They've had Final Fantasy thirteen events where I wish I had gotten it, but uh, you can buy it now on the the Mog Station, the uh, the store for Final Fantasy fourteen, where there was lightning and snow uh, appearance outfits that you could get so that you could wear and look like them. And there, there are things too, like veteran rewards. So yeah, for every amount of time that you stay subscribed they will give you rewards that are just random stuff. It's mostly cosmetic and it's mostly fun. Sometimes it's mounts, sometimes it's looks and appearances, but you get it just for staying subscribed to the game. And, and a lot of games will have something like that. But and these are on throwbacks this one, to Final Fantasy, yes. which makes it different. All, 
And it does, because I'm I want to stay subscribed long enough to get my Cloud Strife outfit. That it's called the Advent outfit, I believe, but it's Cloud from Advent Children. And I mean, I got Baron's helm the other day from uh, resubscribing from Final Fantasy Four, and then there's um uh, the the helm of light from the warrior of light from uh from the old final fantasy from the originals and stuff like that where you get an 8-bit minion that moves around of the white mage black major fighter from final fantasy 1 just stuff like that that you can have as a non-combat pet yeah so all of that i love the throwbacks in this game um something else worth mentioning is that they've put in this thing between the last time i played and now called palace of the dead which is a new instance it's called a deep dungeon it's randomly generated um you get a little bit it's like a completely different set of progress than the main game um but you save that progress over time and it keeps like increasing so you can group with any four people you don't have to wait if you're a dps for a tank or a healer it's balanced so that any group of four people will work and it's a super fast super easy way to level up that they've added to the game so it is now the best way to level up from 1 to 60 outside of the main story quest. So it's really good for like alt jobs. And we didn't even talk about alt jobs, but you don't have to make <laughs> alt characters in this game because your one character can switch jobs. All you have to do is give them a new weapon and they have switched jobs. That's like literally all it takes. So you can have every single job on one character and you can save out the loadouts for every different one and you can switch to that character at that unique level with literally the click of a button so my main is a bard that's always what i have at like the end game but i've been working on my white mage so my white mage is in like the late 50s right now and it's so easy to switch between them and you can like you can have every single class if you want on one character and i know people who do that i think belgast is like that where he does everything and i know my friend barry does it where he has a a at least level 50 of everything and it it blows my mind and and he had 50s of everything when that was the the cap so i mean uh, he hadn't been playing a lot but i just that blows my mind i can't do that i've tried a lot of them and i just don't necessarily like the crafting and gathering professions as much and i tend to be a battle guy and that's okay there are a lot of people who love that other stuff but you can be a crafter and gatherer and fighter and healer and tank on one single character and it doesn't ever feel like you're really taking away from your character, that you're still making progress. And the only issue that ever comes up with it for me is that the roulettes that give the extra rewards, basically you can only get the daily reward on one job. So you have to pick whether you want the massive XP boost on an alt job or if you want the end game currency on your main job. But you have like five roulettes to choose from. So, exactly so some of them too. give higher and lower of each of them yep so that's the cool um one more thought that i should get out there a little bit of a tangent here so i told you how like a realm reborn is 2.0 well 1.0 of this game was just final fantasy 14 i think it was final fantasy 14 online maybe as the full title I think so yeah i think um, that was the title it launched and it failed horribly it was a bad really game. badly um there were tons and tons of problems with it so they brought in a new director producer and he looked at the game and he was like this isn't really salvageable we're going to rebuild this game so even though it's one game it's not this is a completely separate game from 1.0 so there was 1.0 and all of the 1.x patches so any patch that was 1. something um 
that is a completely and utterly different game than a realm reborn so if you played this game at launch or within the first two years that it was out you haven't actually played the game we're talking about you played an entirely different game and the story that they did was that it was coming to the end of an age so there was a huge cataclysm and 2.0 is what happens after that so it's the start of a new age and they tied the lore together they made it kind of a seamless story i think there's technically like a five-year gap in between there but i mean they completely made a game from scratch in the middle of maintaining another game and then tied them together and it it blows my mind so if you guys want to know more about this this is actually something from my geekery this week that i looked up because i knew we were doing this episode there's a documentary from noclip that is all about final fantasy 14 and most of it is about 1.0 to 2.0 and how that happened and what it was like inside the company and the thought behind the decisions that were made and all the effort that went into it so if you guys are interested just google noclip final fantasy 14 and it will pop up i'm sure and it is so good. I've only been able to watch the first part of the three, and it is so good that I can't even tell you guys. Like, you know, if you've listened to this for a long time, that my first geekery was a behind-the-scenes making-of documentary about uh, Broken Age. This is my kind of documentary, and it does not fail. This is so good. No, it's And I really cannot good. wait to finish it up. And it did hit on one of the... It did put in kind of that cliche urban myth that that everybody talks about with 1.0 was that the game they cared so much about art assets and making it be beautiful that there were potted plants that had as many polygons as the player characters and so it just tanked system resources and performance and fps and they were like maybe we shouldn't have potted plants with that many polygons and it was that kind of of just complete and total obliviousness to to what kind of game they were making that made them transition into the second largest mmo in the world yeah it's amazing how much they've bounced back but it's it's a really cool story if you guys have any interest i highly suggest looking up that no clip documentary um okay one more set of things before we get on to geekery so i asked for questions if anybody had them about ff14 and data error sent a couple our way so data error wants to know um what does final fantasy 14 do with its gameplay to break away from the standard like wow mmo mold he said that most games nowadays feel kind of samey um mmos you know mechanically and it sounds like something else has grabbed us with this game so i would say um you know in the open world in the side quests and in some of the main story quests some of that feels pretty much like mmo combat the thing that's different is once you get into the solo duties and once you get into any of the group finding um you know the group duty dungeons or trials especially once you get to the trials especially once you get to some of these really big epic fights that happen as part of the main story quest those do not feel like any other MMO I've played. No, not at all. And yeah, it's got hot bar combat. Yeah, you're pressing one to cast stone. You're pressing two to cast whatever else. But I mean, it's it feels different. You've got a cast bar. But the, the one thing I've learned is that there is a slight cue between your abilities that it lets you 
for half a second, maybe even queue up your abilities between animations, which makes the combat feel just a little bit smoother than like, wow, whenever I'm just spamming Frostbolt, where it is a hard, okay, now it's time to cast this. It's just the way that they've made it feel. It feels just a lot more graceful than a lot of the other MMOs. And the movement and how they bring you in with the different mechanics of the of the fights and the way that they integrate social aspects of the game because there are also uh, if you've played World of Warcraft then and other games like Guild Wars 2 there are things like public quests and they call them fates in Final Fantasy 14 where they're just events that pop up in the zones and you can go do them and get experience and rewards and sometimes like you can grind up for mounts and some of them that kind of thing and there's stuff like that that brings a little bit of difference to the game, but it's still MMO-y kind of, oh, you're killing 17 of this one thing. You can't escape that because it's an MMO, but it's basically what WoW did for the MMOs before 2004 is really what it feels like Final Fantasy XIV has done. It took a Final Fantasy game took what they liked best out of online games and then made it really the best that they could make it, uh, the best version of it available, because you can tell that Yoshi P, the the guy who, who took over the process at 2.0, uh, it was talking in the documentary how he was an online gamer, that he did this, that he had been playing since Ultima Online, I think it said. So he saw what worked in online games and what didn't. And so he's taken it and been like, okay, this is the MMO that I want to play. So this is the MMO I'm going to make. And yeah, it's an MMO. I mean, there's no way around it, but it's just kind of that, as of right now, it's the best that we've got. It's the best example of it, I guess. And the story. I mean, they have so many social systems in this game, I guess, that between you have free companies, you have a party finder, you have a duty finder, you have different link shells that you can use to that you you have different link shells that you can join for different kinds of, of quests and things, which are basically custom chat channels it's the social part of it is is just fantastic so and i would also say um because the question was specifically about gameplay um it actually has a really long global cooldown so if you've played a bunch of mmos before this is something oh, that you'll notice right away um and if you've only been playing final fantasy 14 you forget about it but most mmos have a very short global cooldown and the the thing that affects your rotation is your like it's it's either like what you have in terms of meter management or um, your ability cooldowns. And Final Fantasy XIV takes a different approach. It makes a really long global cooldown, which means that every action you take has to be like thought out and the right thing at the right time. And it takes more strategy. In like it, it sounds like it might be bad because it slows down the process, but the fights take the same amount of time. That's not what it is. It's really that it gives you just enough time to think about what you're going to do next, and it changes yeah. the gameplay in subtle ways. They're really, really good ways. So I I really like that about it. Going to other MMOs after playing 14, they feel spammy. They feel very spammy. Yeah. Compared, spammy that's yeah. that's a really good way to to put it with the queue system and the long global queue cooldown yeah. yeah 
Yeah, and so it's a mixture of that long global cooldown. And like you said, you have that, you can kind of like half queue an ability like a little bit before your, the global cooldown is up because of that. So that's all built into the game. Um, another question is, can you briefly talk about how much your enjoyment comes from the overarching story compared to the smaller incidental quests compared to the social aspects? So my answer is going to be way different than yours because I expect right. that yours is heavily into the social, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, mine's the social by far, just people. I mean, even like we talked about the the people in the overall community I like, as well as having people I know playing the game. That is that is the big part of the game to me because it has such wonderful social components to the game. Oh, I don't like the incidental quests that much. I mean, you don't have to do them to level up, and there are so many other ways to level up that going back with other jobs, I don't do a lot of the side incidental quests, but I've started to really like the main story. So, I mean, a lot of my enjoyment has come from seeing what happened in in the game at this point. Yeah, I would say that I basically skip every single incidental quest in this game like i just completely ignore them and it's fine um so like zero percent of my enjoyment comes from those um (laughs) the social aspects i don't know maybe like five percent i mean the the group of people i play with the free company i'm in is amazing but i talked about this the other week it's because i like those people outside of this game it's not because of this game they're just an added bonus when i'm playing i talk to them on slack i talk to them on twitter um i jump into team speak with them sometimes stuff like that so whatever like i have fun when i talk to those people but that's not really game dependent um i would say a huge portion of what i like about it is the story so maybe like 75 percent of my enjoyment which gives me what 20 percent left that i'm going to say that's towards like um trials and raid <laughs> bosses and the end of dungeon fights so basically every challenging fight in this game gives me a ton of enjoyment i love the mechanics of the hard fights the ones that actually make you work for it um i i just get a ton of fun out of those once you're in a group that can do that those mechanics that are super hard and super complex are wonderfully fun to play if you're in there with a bunch of people who don't care and won't listen then it gets super frustrating and like there's one fight i'm pretty sure i've liked happens. about like it doesn't not in this game compared to other compared to other mmos and like the other oh, thing absolutely. is because you have to play through these you have to play through these dungeons to get through the main story you know that after people hit a certain level they have to have a certain level of competence in the mechanics no matter what otherwise there's no physical way they could have gotten to where they are so yep. that makes a big difference in the game too like the end game rating is much more complicated but people are also much more educated about the mechanics than in any other game. Um, it, it was like watching a, a indie game, if you've ever seen it, when they're talking about Super Meat Boy as there's not really messaging on how to play the game. It's just the game will kind of uh, teach you how to do new mechanics one at a time until you've mastered it. That really is kind of the way this game is. It doesn't tell you that you're learning something new. You just see it, die to it, and it's like, oh, okay, I got that and and you figured it out from there yeah so um another question along those lines what would you recommend as a play strategy to an incoming player focus on the core campaign take it easy with side content stuff like that i know what i would recommend but i'm curious what you would recommend honestly i would say the story is uh, i'm sure you would say the uh the main story quest and that's what i did when i started the game i was all about it just explore the the end game stuff is there but it is not the main part of the game play whatever and switch jobs 
back and forth if you like just do stuff yeah this is a game where it feels like you can really go out explore the world and for being a theme park style mmo it has an inordinate amount of freedom to it so i would say grab a class play it up to about level 15 or so when you unlock the first dungeon um, and mm-hmm. then go back and try a couple other classes find the class that you really like okay so take some time to do that at the early game because leveling is super fast early game um, and if you play up to like that level 15 ish you also unlock palace of the dead so do that unlock that first dungeon unlock palace of the dead find the class that you really want to play with and then what you should do at that point stick with that class and do the main story quest all the way through until you get level blocked and then do Palace of the Dead because you will level up super fast and then go back to the main story. And I would honestly jump between Palace of the Dead and main story all the way up to just level 60. And then then you might want to start exploring some other options, but that will get you there very quickly and you'll have a good experience with it too. And you can also look at Palace of the Dead as a way to experiment with classes to see if you would like them because it has a level system that is completely separate from the main game. So you can level up to 60 in it in basically one playthrough. Uh, It's got different floors. If you go through the main floors of 1 to 50 that may take two, maybe two hours to go through the entire thing, you'll have a level 60 whatever character so that you will see basically what that class may play like and i did that with a couple and learned i would rather play my white mage than an astrologian and it was it'll let you know whether or not you like the tanky classes or what kind of dps classes you like i learned i like bard and archer a lot better than i like black mage and just stuff like that palace of the dead let me see slightly higher than level 15 through a dungeon did yeah yeah palace of the dead is really good for sampling the top end of the class before you actually get there which is cool too um and there's supposed to be another one for stormblood coming out too so while we say palace of the dead it's kind of generic for the deep dungeon who knows what they're going to do with the next one when it comes out in a patch in a couple of months or whatever yeah we'll see and then you'll probably have even more leveling options um okay Uh last question thanks for the questions guys how many hours have we played so i looked this up on (laughs) steam because i don't really sit afk um so mine is pretty accurate i'm at about 455 ish i didn't actually hit my slash played before i came on here but i sit afk a ton like i keep this up especially lately since i've been playing this for the last few weeks i've basically kept it up while i'm working i have my laptop on a computer beside me i have my main computer with two monitors up here and one of them has final fantasy 14 on it all the time so i'll just sit afk or in a dps queue that takes half an hour to an hour to queue and am working while that happens so bunches i played bunches of final (laughs) fantasy so i'm at least where you are if not more i'm sure yeah i would guess that you probably have more play time than me but that's okay Um, yeah probably just because of the people i was playing with when we started that it was this huge group that was our that was our social outlet so that was what we were doing together instead of hanging out at one of our houses (laughs) yeah um we're hanging out in the hot tub in our free company house (laughs) hot tub tuesday woo nice um let's do our geeky after week uh this week we have audible like we have most weeks you have a book right we're gonna go quick here we're gonna do quick yeah, free because we're already long okay so uh the geeky offer of the week is gonna be it came out this week it's called the x-files cold cases uh it's by joe harris and chris carter the creator of the x-files and it is an audio 
only audiobook that has David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson and uh, voicing their characters of Mulder and Scully. And it is uh, ridiculous, apparently. I bought it for my wife, and she has been listening to it all afternoon long. And right as we started recording today, Void, she opened the door right before we, we recorded to tell me something else ridiculous that happened in it, that she's been listening for 40 minutes, and it's already hit on pretty much every X-Files trope. Um, I don't believe that it's canon within the mythology, but it has so many of the actors voicing their characters in it that it takes about four hours to listen to, I believe. And she is as big of an X-Files fan as you and I are of Star Wars. So just to give you a little bit of, of perspective on this, that she's listening to it and said, it may not be very good, but it sure is fun. So I wanted to recommend that since it is audible only, it's an audible original and uh, that came out this week brand new. So if there are any X-Files out there with a PH, you should go to audibletrial.com slash geek to geek cast and pick up the X-Files cold cases by Joe Harris. Sweet. For free. Nice. And then we should also say last week we mentioned if you wanted more Spider-Man content to check out the comic box. And then since then, um, Geektitude has also released an episode. So another show on our network also covered Spider-Man. Basically all of us did it. Um, so go check out the Geektitude episode with Joe Hogan um, about Spider-Man. And he had a guest on, which is one of his regulars on there. But it was it was another cool Spider-Man discussion to listen to. So if you're not listening to all the podcasts on the network, I, I recommend it. I like them all. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the network. Um, this is true. Yeah. So time for Weekly Geekery. And again, we're going to go quick here. But why don't you kick us off? Um, we finally finished up Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, we started watching it last july when we were on vacation and so it took us about a year to get through the season just watching it on and off again and it was fantastic it was the first classic tv show that i really ever liked and we started mary tyler moore um the mary tyler moore show and it's on hulu and i'm loving it like i don't tend to like these kinds of shows and i just want to watch mary tyler moore and part of it's because she pretty but also she's just legit funny that this is one hilarious woman and I just like watching her I like watching these characters and I do miss Dick Van Dyke but I'm I'm excited to see where the Mary Tyler Moore show goes forward um, so I've been watching that uh, I've been playing Final Fantasy 6 on my iPhone and I hate truly hate the interface on it. I downloaded Final Fantasy V for my iPhone, and it has a fantastic interface in comparison. But six got me. Six got me, and it's really good, and I'm dealing with the absolutely terrible interface because six is such a good game, and I've gotten to the point where I don't remember what's happened in any of it now that I've never played through this far except for just one or two times when I was younger, so it feels like a new game to me. And so I have to say thank you, Void, for telling me to level up when I get to new areas because that's made the game a lot better. Like, it's made it so much more enjoyable. Having played all of the iOS Final Fantasy fantasy games um or versions on ios i should say of like one through six um six probably has one of the worst battle interfaces which is annoying but most of the ones on ios have auto battle which makes like grinding and leveling between stuff so much better so that's why i like those versions so much more that is why i chose to play it on my phone as opposed to anything else is i went for these because of the auto battle that makes it so much nicer it's just that quality of life thing that when i'm grinding i don't have to hit fight 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 or attack 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 every time where it, it's good um so i'm enjoying it um 
I'm going to play through it and I've, I I like it. Okay, report more on that one next week because I want to know your progress because that's a really good game. I never thought Final Fantasy VI would be one of those killing time games. Like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this. I have a few minutes. Let me play Final Fantasy VI. But... It ha- being on the phone with auto battle has made it kind of that kind of game. Yeah, this is the benefit. Uh, this is why I always push for the Final Fantasy games that are on mobile, one through six anyway. The ones after that are a little bit different, but that's why, because you can play them in five minute chunks and it works really well. It does. Strangely enough, I never thought that, but I did start couch to 5K again. I swallowed my pride and finally decided, you know what? I haven't been able to call myself a runner in a while, and I want to again. So I sucked it up. I started Couch to 5K again. I didn't mean to start at day one because I tried to start on like week three or four because I can run a mile, but it messed up. So I just kind of went with it whenever I clicked it. it. Something messed up when I thought I hit week three or four, but it's... Yeah, I'm running again, and I had to send my new running shoes back that I bought, the Mizunos, and they gave me hot spots on the balls of my feet. Have you ever had that? You ever felt that? Like, heard no. of hot spots for runners? No. Nope. It feels like I'm rug burning the balls of my feet with every step. It's weird. super weird, and is the only shoe that I've ever had do that, and I've, I've read a bunch on other people getting hot spots, so I've never felt that, so I sent them back to Running Warehouse, and I ordered today a pair of ultra paradigm twos that uh they're they're super cushy shoes that i'd run in the ultra olympuses for a while and loved them and decided to give the paradigms the road shoe a shot instead of their hybrid trail so we'll see those should be in tomorrow or the next day because from zappos they're awesome and then my nephew had a birthday party at a place called sky zone uh, last weekend and it's a trampoline park a jump park have you ever been there um yeah there's a couple by been us that my daughter's been to for birthday parties they're pretty cool looking i mean the kids always did have you, fun and they wear themselves out did you jump at any of them no the ones near us are all very much like kid oriented okay see they this one lets you lets adults do it it's very much a family thing and um they have basically a ninja warrior course in it they have three different obstacle courses that you can do and i didn't realize until then like you you watch ninja war you watch american ninja warrior in either one it's just like you see these athletes and you see them do this and they make this stuff look so easy you're like i'm not in that good a shape but i bet i could do that no you can't no i couldn't it it is terrifying and scary and (laughs) i realized that there are some things i can do but the majority of them i can't and it was i learned how out of shape i was at sky zone and all of my pride is gone that i am i am not the american ninja warrior that, that you, you see don't. people. No, now I do. Don't. I know now. And I gave myself, I, I kind of hurt my neck doing it. And oh, I may have no. to get a massage this week from it. This is what happens now that we're getting older. We're not, I'm not going to say is, we're this old, is, but like the aches and pains have started. We're past 30. People, like it happens. People in their mid thirties are apparently not supposed to jump on trampolines for 90 minutes. Not, I mean, nobody told me this. Not without like working up to it over time. No, that's a really bad idea. Um, no, <laughs> I'd run like three times in the last week and a half and then went straight to 90 minutes on a trampoline man i'm a smart one smrt yep um i for my part this week uh my wife was out of town for a long weekend so 
I did a bunch of Final Fantasy 14 and then I like watched a bunch of movies that I just they were on my list <laughs> and it was a bunch of stuff that I knew my wife probably wouldn't be into so I just kind of caught up on them. So I finished all the Omega raids in Final Fantasy 14 and we'll talk about those next week. We're kind of doing non-spoilery FF14 this week and next week we're going to do an episode all about the expansions and the story of the expansions, all the new content and basically what we've been doing and what we've been playing over the last like 2 or 3 weeks here. So we're going to get into all the current stuff. There's a whole other episode where and by the way if you want to send more questions there's another episode next week about it so send more final fantasy questions our way we'll answer them um i rewatched a bunch of stuff so i rewatched game of thrones season six because season okay. seven was about to premiere um i rewatched doctor strange and i still liked it i rewatched civil war Good. and i realized that i do not care about bucky at all i have zero not emotional all. connection i think he is the most boring character in the entire mcu and that is probably why I hated Winter Soldier when everybody else seemed to love uh, it. And I can't wait for him to be less important to the story. Like, I hope he takes a smaller mm-hmm. role over time. Even though I know from the comics he might eventually become Captain America, I, I hope that doesn't happen in the MCU because I just find him extremely boring. Like, anytime he's on screen or the stories about him, I was checking Twitter. And it's like, that's when yeah. I know. After the first time I've seen a movie, like, I pay attention the first time I watch a movie. When I rewatch stuff... Anytime I pick up my phone to like check Twitter or do something else or check on gaming news, I know that part of the movie is not engaging me. And it was right. literally every time I was reaching for my phone to do something else, it was because Bucky was on screen. And I was like, wow, I just don't like this character at all. I don't care. I'm the same way. They tried to make this relationship some sort of emotional touchstone, and it just doesn't work. That nothing about it feels natural. That their friendship, sure, when they're, you know, in the first Avenger, when they're they're young and before he becomes Captain America, great. You know, when they're soldiers, cool, they're soldiers, they do this. Then he dies, it's like, yep, Bucky died. I, I didn't feel anything then. It's just like they were two guys, and then they try to make it the, this, like I said, this touchstone through for Cap's arc, and it falls completely and totally flat. There is, there's nothing there. Yeah, it's so funny because if any other like character, any other like superhero character in the MCU died, I would have an emotional like reaction to that. If they yes. killed Bucky again, I would be like, oh, okay, good. I don't have to deal with him. Um. Yeah, good. And, I don't have to watch him yeah, anymore. Yeah, he was the only one that I would be like, good, I'm glad. Finally, get him out of there. Everybody else, I would uh-huh. have other emotional reactions to because they've built up to it. And Bucky, I just don't care. So that was that was a mm-hmm. revelation to myself about the MCU that like, oh, that explains a lot of my feelings towards the movies that people like more than me. It's just I don't like him as a character. Um, so the new stuff that I was watching, I tried Little Witch Academia because people had told me it's basically like Harry Potter except way better and it is extremely anime. I did not make it through yeah, the first episode. I didn't know this when people were recommending it. I just heard, like, Harry Potter, but way better. And I was like, oh, okay, I like Harry Potter enough. I'll check it out. But no, this is, like, as anime as anime comes. So I bounced off of that before finishing the first episode. Um, since my wife I really want to <laughs> go start it now because with you bouncing off for something being too anime, I want to see how long I last because it was about three minutes on Voltron for me. So I'm really curious on this one now. Yeah, I don't have a high tolerance for anime in the first place, but this one was just extreme. Um, and then since my wife was out of town and my kids and I had been watching when we left Earth, I finished up that one. So we watched the last couple episodes of When We Left Earth, and it's it's still just my f- favorite space documentary. It's really good. Right. Um, I watched Arrival, finally, 
And oh, what'd you think? What'd you think? What'd you think? It was really good. I liked it a lot. Okay, great, great. I didn't want to have to disown you. No, I I loved it. It was it was a really good movie. I want to rewatch it, yeah. even though like I understood what was happening the first time. I heard a lot of people come out of that movie and they're like, I didn't get it, but I didn't feel that way. I thought it was very. I didn't very feel that well way explained. at all. It's like, and maybe it's one of those where we're we we are so ingrained in that that sci-fi explanation That's of things. Probably part of that, it that that we we instinctively. Well, not even instinctively, but we're so used to it that it's like, oh, yeah, this is what they were doing. Okay. And if people aren't used to those kind of tropes that they're like, wait, what? But, yeah, yeah, I need to watch it again because I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was, too. I thought it was really, really good. It's probably going to be one of my favorite movies of the year when we get to the end of the year. Yeah, I don't Um, doubt that. Even though I usually don't rank movies super high in my end of the year list just because movies are, I don't know, and they're okay. Um, But Arrival is going to be up there because I liked it a lot. I tried to watch Ghost in the Shell because it was supposed to have the live action, the right? Live action one. It was supposed to okay. have really good visuals, even though all the whitewashing controversy. And you know yeah. what? I I watched like twenty minutes of it. It was. It's not. Look, okay, I have no connection to the first Ghost in the Shell, so keep that in mind. That's where I'm coming from with it. But even without knowing that, this movie felt like it was trying way too hard. Like, (laughs) I don't even know a better way to describe it. It's not that it was, like, overly anime or that things didn't fit or, like, the CG was bad. It was just I got the impression that they were just trying so hard and it made me not want to watch it. So I didn't. Um, I'd be really interesting to see what you think because I'm I'm having trouble articulating why I didn't like it and I didn't watch that much of it. But okay. that I mean that's what I wrote down here. That like that was my gut feeling walking away from it is that Ghost in the Shell live action was just trying too hard and it shouldn't. Like it didn't I, I want to say that the quote is trying too hard while also being boring. That is what that I wrote. That is down. not just it's trying too hard, it's also boring. Yep. That's that's exactly <laughs> so I, how I felt. I, I've seen the first one, and I was a teenager the last time I saw it, and I really liked it. I haven't seen this one because it didn't strike. The whitewashing controversy aside, I just haven't cared. That's about how I seeing felt too. It. Yeah, and it, you know, I would like to, and I, I need to sit down just to see that part that you did to see what I feel about it. So let me know if you ever get around to that. And then, if it ever gets on Netflix, I don't want to pay for it. So. Yeah, understandable. Um, I watched, like I mentioned before, the no clip documentary of Final Fantasy XIV, which I highly recommend it's called Mm. the death and rebirth of final fantasy 14 but again you could just google no clip ff14 it'll pop up and then so good uh game of thrones season seven premiered just like two nights ago as of where we're recording this and i'm super pumped there's only 12 episodes left in the entire series now so we're getting there there. is a half season next time right that's what it is or it's not just this season is it no, there's two. So we're in season seven. There's going to be a season eight, but there's okay. only, I want to say it's like seven episodes this season and six next season. Okay. And they're not we're, half episodes. It's just like longer episodes, basically. And they have oh, more story okay. to tell. So um, they were saying that the last episode of this season is going to be almost like movie feature length, like the low oh, cool. end of feature length movies. So, but in terms of episodes, we're down to 12 episodes. 12 episodes are now left in Game of Thrones, and then it's done forever. So I'm getting really excited. Even though this first one was kind of a setup episode. um, Right, of course. The very first cold open scene was amazing. I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't watched it yet. I have not yet. Okay. But it's not like it was, it's not like season six, though. 
Yeah, so the cold open was amazing, and then the rest of this episode was set up, which they always have to do that at the beginning of the season. It's kind of what I was expecting. Um, yeah. The rest of it didn't blow me away, but it was fine, because it's going to lead into all the good episodes this season. Uh, and I'm super excited about this one, because I didn't watch season six until way after everybody else, because I didn't care. The first episode was just meh after the season before, and... I, I just, like I said, I didn't care. This one, I'm going in with a plan because I loved watching Six as a long story instead of waiting week by week that I'm going to wait until at least most of this season is done and then start watching it where I will at least get a big chunk of it all at once because I loved that about season six. So I'm going to do everything I can not to be spoiled because I, I somehow managed all the stuff from season six. I'm going to do my best not to be spoiled on at least the early part of seven and then dive in before it's over well i hope that you finish seven when everyone else finishes and then we can talk about it on air because that would be ah, a fun episode point. that would be really cool um because game of thrones is really fun and then the other Although thing our last game of thrones episode was really terrible well we did do that like at the start of a season and i feel like if we tried to do an episode right now after watching the first episode of this season it would be about the same um i would that's rather, probably true <laughs> i would rather talk about the whole season after it's done because that's a really good spot to kind of reassess and talk about what has just happened so put that on your radar if you if you want to get caught up right as everybody else is finishing i would gladly do an episode on season yeah, seven that's a good point yeah um and then the other thing i had on here was that the new doctor who doctor the doctor mm -hmm. has been announced and it's a female and i don't remember her name because i never remember actors and actresses names. i can't remember her name either but it's like about time i mean there's yeah. been a lot of guys really in that is. role and i've only put it on here because i don't think we've ever really talked about doctor who on air and i talked about it last week and how i'm tired of it i know you talk you did talk <laughs> about that so i'm not going to dwell on it too much but no no you're I, fine i wanted to just give a little bit of history from like where i'm coming at from doctor who it basically my brother got into it when it got rebooted um and yeah once it was in the middle of david Tennant's run and i always forget the numbers of the doctors got i'm sorry guys i'm not a good doctor who fan i'm very very I casual can't remember at all um, so in the middle i just call them by the actors instead of the numbers yeah and i forget those half the time so it was in the middle of um david Tennant's run when it was good he gave me a couple really good episodes and the kind of person i am that means that i have to go back and watch from the beginning so I went back and I watched through the doctor before him, which I can't remember the guy's name. Um, before Tennant? Yeah, before Tennant. The one uh, that, Eccleston. That was Chris Eccleston. Okay, so the one that had started the new 2005 mm -hmm. and beyond run. Um, I watched him. I wasn't really a fan. I watched David Tennant and it got better. And there were some Did. parts of Tennant's run that I liked. And then there were some parts that were way too campy for me. Um, and then it switched over to Matt Smith. And that was kind of what I finally latched onto was the storyline okay. with Matt Smith and Amy Pond. And I think it was because there was a through line throughout a few of his seasons that tied together in a really satisfying way. Um, and I'm, right. I'm not a big fan of the random, bombastic, crazy episodes that happen. They always feel like filler, and I just don't care. Um, I, I'm and, much I mean, and that was for, part of Doctor Who before this. I but know. the showrunner, Stephen Moffat, made that a point in the Matt Smith seasons to have a serial story that tied it all together. And that so makes a huge you, difference for me. 
It does. Yeah. There are some great David Tennant episodes, and there are some great Eccleston, and there are some great Matt Smith ones. I mean, I really loved them, and I haven't seen any of the Capaldi. I haven't seen a single episode of the most recent ones. Well, that's what I was going to say, was I I was hooked on Matt Smith because they actually had, like, a serialized story, and that is what got me. Um, And then I stuck through it until they switched to the new Doctor, and I gave him a chance. Peter, what's his name? I forget. I'm so bad with actor names and actresses. (laughs) Peter Capaldi. Um... I watched like two or three of his episodes and I just did not like him at all. And I also didn't like the companion they had at the time. Oh, Clara is the worst. She is so like, boring. She is second only to Donna in being terrible. So she's so boring. And then they tried to make her more interesting by like saying there's different versions of her throughout mm-hmm. space and time, which just is adding more of a boring character into your story. So yeah. I don't know what you're doing. Um, but between not liking the companion and not liking the doctor, I stopped watching. So I haven't watched since the like probably like the third episode, maybe the fourth episode of Peter, what's his name's first season? Capaldi. I, it, it's never going to stick in my mind. So I'm excited <laughs> that there's a new doctor just because it gives me another chance to try to get back into right. it. And maybe this version will be one that I like. I heard Stephen Moffat's not involved anymore. So it's a he really. He is not. There is a new showrunner. So that's a really good thing to like get involved. Like, a you know, it's, it's going to be a fresh take and I think it needs it. And the fact that it's a female like that feels overdue at this point you know yep um, and I, I totally agree and apparently i can't like i said like you said i can't remember the lady's name either but she's worked with the showrunner i believe in the past that so there's a relationship there it's not coming in fresh with a completely new creative team who who has no idea how they work with each other so there there's already a foundation to be built on between the the people who are putting it on and with a lot of the controversy about her being uh being a woman it's and you know not to really touch on any of it and get political at all but like i said last week that's kind of the, this over the top taking it so seriously fandom that i distance myself from with doctor who that i'm gonna give her a shot i'm gonna because a new showrunner is on there and i got really tired of stephen moffat stuff which is why i stopped with peter capaldi i was just bored so with a new showrunner I'm going to give it a shot. And with it being a lady, it's like, cool, maybe they're going to do something really new with this show as opposed to it just being a lady or just being a new uh, new showrunner that maybe it'll be a good show. I'll give it a shot. I may like it as much as I used to. I may not. But yeah, it'll be cool to see what they do with it just because it's it's a new showrunner and it's a new doctor. And like that alone has got me back in. And then the fact that it's a woman is interesting because we haven't gotten that before. So yeah, it's about time. Um, so that'll be cool. And I think they typically do it in like a Christmas episode, Christmas special, right? Is when they switch a doctor Uh, over. If I remember correctly, it's been a while. I think so. I know that's when they, I think that's when they did it last time. It was a special. I don't remember. It has been so long since I paid attention. I'm sure there will be a special about this one because I haven't watched in so long. I don't remember. Yeah. So we will. I mean, it sounds like both of us are going to check it out. So we'll talk more about it whenever that actually comes out, which who knows? I don't know. I don't pay enough attention to Doctor Who, but I thought it was worth talking about just because I, I had liked enough of one of the runs. That means that like, okay, anytime they're going to kind of do a soft reboot, I'm going to check it out again. Right. 
That's understandable. And I liked all of the ones before Capaldi enough to watch. Then I got tired of it because they didn't do anything new. Hopefully they'll do something new this time. Cool. You guys can send questions our way. We're going to talk one more week of Final Fantasy XIV. We're going to get into Heaven's Word. We're going to get into Stormblood. We're going to get into the current content and spoilers and raids and all that stuff that we've actually been playing the last couple of weeks. Um, so you can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. The email address, as always, is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We have long discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek to geekcast and remember we are part of a podcast network and like we said earlier there is all sorts of spider-man goodness if you liked our last episode to go listen to either the comic box or geektitude uh, and you can check them out at geek to geekcast.com i blog at agreenmushroom.com and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beach that's beach with two e's and you can find me online at bjkeaton.com we've been void and beach with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks Comics. Hey everyone, this is Rob, your friendly neighborhood comic geek. And this is Liam, the the languishing, lascivious Liam of Langley. Wow, that was extremely illiterate of you. Well, I try. We are the hosts of The Comic Box, part of the geek to geek podcast network. So, join us. Bop, bop. Oh, yeah.